Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to him forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We come to the great feast of Ascension, and we contemplate the completion of our Lord's sojourn and his seating at the right hand of God the Father. There is a tradition in Anglo-Saxon illuminations, you could call them icons, but we find them in illuminated manuscripts, and depicting the, uh, the, this feast, the Feast of the Ascension, you've probably seen this. I think I've seen this in England in some Anglican or Catholic churches, where you're wondering why there's a pair of feet that are just kind of dangling, as it were. But you get this, this is an ancient thing, it goes back over a thousand years, early in the Anglo-Saxon tradition of articulating or depicting this particular feast. You don't have uh, Christ enthroned uh, in the mandorla or even uh, as in one Serbian monastery. Uh, it looks like he's riding up on the chariot of Eze from Ezekiel. He's got the wings of the angels around him as he's ascending. In Anglo-Saxon, you get his feet and nothing else. You see a cloud and feet hanging out from the top. And it really underlined for me the emphasis of this feast on flesh. For the Jews, it was quite a scandal that our Lord took on flesh. How could God, the Holy One, become man? For the Greeks, if we think of, I guess you call the more sophisticated Greeks, as opposed to earlier versions, as in the philosophers, because the earlier versions, you think of Zeus, they don't really have a problem with gods being humans or mingling with humans and all of that. But once you get to Plato and you get to some of the philosophers, they have a really hard time. How in the world, because they have, in a different way, an understanding of the preeminence I don't know if I would say the word holiness, maybe set aside these, the, the way in which God is so different from the rest of this world. You have cleanliness in Judaism, but for the philosophers, it's flux, the fact that things come and go, that you can't nail things down as absolutely permanent. But we have, for us, I think, we don't really have the problem of the Jewish mind, how does God become man? We're kind of used to this. This has been around an idea for about 2,000 years now, right? And we really don't have the Greek or the Plato problem where the perfection, how could that come into the flux? It's almost like we have an opposite problem. We don't really see how humans could become divine or perfect. We have all sorts of ways of talking about that that are kind of idolatrous, but we, especially as Christians, I think there is a basic struggle to understand the calling for Christians to become holy as God is holy, to, as our Lord's path presents for us, actually put to death all that is earthly within us and worldly within us, now, by earthly and worldly, I don't mean the flesh, as in this body, but that body of sin that Paul talks about, that he calls flesh. 
We have throughout the liturgy, and I think the liturgy is especially uh, important to understand the fullness of ascension. You can tell those who don't have liturgy or who don't understand the idea of a holy of holies, that there's a place that is beyond or that there are things veiled and then unveiled, you don't really celebrate the Feast of Ascension. You get Jesus came, Jesus died, Jesus resurrected, hallelujah. Maybe Pentecost, maybe there's an emphasis on Pentecost, but there's just this missing element where Christ has ascended in the flesh to sit at the right hand of God the Father. What's the astonishment? What is the amazement of the angels? That flesh, that humanity, that a person has actually come into the presence of God in heaven. Throughout the liturgy, the liturgy teaches us and informs us about this ascent. Because we are in our particular lives and all the Specifics are to embody this exact path of our Lord. Coming into the world, descending and accepting that brokenness and death that is within us to offer it as a sacrifice. And that for us, while we're not harrowing Hades, right, that is the Lord's responsibility, we are to imitate his faithfulness in the death on the cross and faithfulness that he will be resurrected. That St. John Chrysostom talks about this particular aspect of how we are to follow the head who has gone into the heavens. Maybe this is part of what the Anglo-Saxon manuscript tradition is trying to emphasize. The head is in the heavens, and you, we see this, the feet dangling down because we're the body. We're actually supposed to be. The, the, his body, uh, the mystical body of Christ is there, as we have in this icon especially, and all of the apostles, even Paul, who was not at the Ascension, is in the icon of the Ascension. We are to fill the world and to follow after him, to blaze that exact trail, to have our flesh be cleansed, to be purified, and to be seated with him in the heavenly places, as Paul tells us. In Ephesians, that is where we are. That is where we're going. That is what the entire aspect of liturgy lays before us. The prayers, many of the silent prayers of the priests are about the cleansing of the people. Not just the cleansing of the people, but especially there's a lot of prayers about the cleansing of the priest. Because the priest is the one who's going to be standing there at the altar. Let me share with you one of the silent prayers for Silence not really a good translation. Mystical prayers in mysticos, prayers that the priest says during the that I'll call it the bridge of litanies that we have before the anaphora, where we have the catechumens, uh, then we have those short uh, little litanies. But those are the prayers of the faithful, and this is the prayer that the priest prays for the faithful. Again, and oftentimes we fall down before thee and beseech thee, who are good and of mankind that looking down upon our petition, thou wouldst cleanse our souls and bodies from all defilement of flesh and spirit, and grant us to stand blameless and without condemnation before the holy altar. Grant also to those who pray with us, O God, growth in life and faith and spiritual understanding. Grant them always to worship thee blamelessly with fear and love, and without condemnation to partake of thy holy mysteries, and to be counted worthy of thy heavenly kingdom. 
there is throughout the liturgy this emphasis on purity and an ascent because they are bound up together. This is especially the beginning of the anaphora where we have the blessing, the triune blessing, and then what does the priest invite everyone to do? To lift up their hearts. The Feast of the Ascension puts before us the destination for all of us. Not just the destination, but the reality of where we are now in the flesh to dwell in the heavenly places. That heaven has come in sanctified flesh. Not just in general, that is true, but that we each have to appropriate that purity, that ascent, that sitting at the right hand of the Father so that we can be able, as the hymnody tells us, in glorifying, having accepted our cross, we may have the firm foundation, this is my rough translation, have the firm foundation to glorify the ascension. So may God continue to bless us with the joy of this particular feast, knowing that we look forward to the Holy Spirit, the one who accomplishes what our desire is, the holiness and purity of our flesh, so that we may see God with these eyes. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to Him forever.